Yeah, but you should have seen the other guys over there. <laughs> oh, you know, um, I was I was standing there minding my own business, and uh, we were we were bobbing for apples in, um, in in baked beans. You ever bob for apples and baked beans? It's exciting. And I didn't get I didn't get any. I bobbed for the apple. I got it out without getting one bit of baked bean on me. And then when we were we were playing this fun game of you you spray uh, you spray stuff all over people's faces like whipped cream and you throw Cheetos at them. How many stick? You know, it's you know you know a fun game. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm officiating the game, minding my own business, when I was attacked from behind with a big pot of baked beans. And that's what started the melee. And uh, um, I still. I still say I won. Um, I don't know what I won, but uh, it was fun. That was awesome. My thought is this, though. I think it would be a lot better if we have the adults against the students next time. Kind of like Braveheart, when you have all, all the adults on. I'm getting a garbage can full of stuff next time. I'll tell you that right now. The adults on one side, the students on the other and just run at each other. The way we kicked it off is someone took Mentos and put it in a Coke bottle, and that's what kicked the games off. It was, uh, it was bedlam, and I loved it. It was great. I had a great time. It took me about a half hour in the shower to get kind of the smell out. Um, it, was, it, was, it was nasty, really nasty, but well worth it, well worth it. It was uh, a wonderful, wonderful time. And it will be a, 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 an event that happens every year from here on out. So I'm not kidding about this, too. We should do an adult student um, food fight. Because you ever, you ever get really frustrated and you don't, you know, you're just like, oh, oh, oh. This, this lets all your frustrations out, okay? You can slam things and pies in people's face. You can whip food all around. You can kind of get back at your kids for all the years they tormented you. All right, let's, um, let's move on to the sermon. A few years ago, I was reading this book by Erwin McManus called Barbarian Way. And I read a story, I think I shared it a few years ago, but it fits in really well with what I want to talk about this morning. So I'm going to read it to you. Most of you probably have not heard this. It's called, it's from the Barbarian Way by Erwin McManus. He tells a story of a Scottish noble named Robert the Bruce. The story goes that he died in 1329 at the age of 54. But shortly before his death, Robert the Bruce requested that his heart be removed from his body and taken on crusade by a worthy knight. One of his closest friends, James Douglas, was at his bedside and accepted the responsibility. So the heart of Robert the Bruce was embalmed and placed in a small container that Douglas carried around his neck. In every battle that Douglas fought, he literally carried the heart of his king pressed against his chest. In the early spring of 1330, Douglas sailed from Scotland to Grenada, Spain. He engaged in a campaign against the Moors. In an ill-fated battle, Douglas found himself surrounded, and in this situation, death was both certain and imminent. In that moment, Douglas reached for his heart, strapped around his neck, flung it into the heart of, in the midst of his enemy, and cried out, Fight for the heart of your king! One historian quoted Douglas as shouting, Forward, brave heart, as ever thou wert wont to be, and Douglas will follow his king's heart or die. The motto of the Douglas clan is even to this day simply forward. um, The author, McManus, goes on to, to share this point. The power of this story awakens within me a primal longing that I am convinced waits to be unleashed with everyone who is a follower of Christ. 
To belong to God is to belong to his heart. If we have responded to the call of Jesus to leave everything and follow him, then there's a voice within us crying out, fight for the heart of your king. This morning, we're going to continue our series, Don't Leave Jesus at the Door. Don't leave Jesus at the door. Each person here was created for a specific purpose. We were designed by God to glorify him and to to help those around us, to make a difference in the lives of those around us, to fight for the heart of our king. That is why God designed us. Each of us, each of us, every single one of us face an ongoing battle. It's a question, really. How are we going to use the gifts, the talents, the time, and the treasure that God has given us to further his kingdom? How are we going to use our time here on earth with all that God has given to us to fight for the heart of our king, to glorify our God? You see, before Christ came into my life, I had no clear direction. I was like a man without a country. I knew there was more to this life than I was being offered, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't find it. Maybe you're like me. It's that hole in your heart. Before you become a believer, we all have it. That hole in our heart where we're, 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 we're stepping back and we're asking, isn't there more to this life? What is the meaning? What is the purpose of life? And before my relationship with Christ, I had no answer. I was stuck with what life was offering me. I knew that I was created to fight a battle. I just didn't know where and for whom. And then God opened my eyes for the very first time. For the first time in my life, I could see truth. I could truly see. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, it says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Keep that in mind. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and anything else. There's a lot of things that can be a part of your life that are not a problem. They're sacred. They're not sinful. But you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. God makes it pretty clear here. I think sometimes in culture, they try to muddy the waters and kind of make it a little foggy. God doesn't make it very foggy. Either you serve me or you don't. Either I'm your master or I'm not. Either you love me or you hate, you hate me. You can't, you can't, there's no little gray area that we can float around in. This is what God is telling us. These verses are talking about the attitude of a true disciple. Someone who is a true follower of Jesus Christ. We are told to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You, you, you gain treasures in heaven by obedience, by being obedient to God in all areas of your life. 
Notice I said all areas of your life. If there's, no, if there's one theme in this series that we're doing, don't check Jesus at the door. That's it. That we are obedient to God, that we give our lives to God in every area of our lives. There is no area of your life that is off limits to God. He should be in control. He should determine every single area of your life. No matter what you do, you need to ask the question, God, how would you have me do this? How would you have me handle this? These treasures are rewards for disciples who are loyal, who have devotion to God. These treasures he's talking about here are are true treasures in heaven that come to those who put God first. The treasures that we find on earth, in contrast, have no permanent security or satisfaction. They, they give no permanent security or satisfaction. All the things that you can come up with in this world, on this earth, are not the same as what we receive from God when we enter the, the, his glorious heaven. And you think, well, is that all it is about Christianity? It's all about heaven. It's not about here. No, it's about here as well. And you can, you can, you can do so many amazing things on this earth. You can, you can achieve your heart's desire as long as God is a part of it with you. You can live a dynamic life as long as God is a part of that dynamic life with you. But the treasures here on earth that we store up and they become a God in a sense in our lives are treasures that will be, they'll be destroyed. Treasures on earth do not last. They are eaten by, by moth or, or vermin. Have you ever tried to, um, to store something in your attic or your basement for a long period of time, right? You take your box until those plastic you know, containers came around. But if you take a box, you, you put it in the basement and you think, well, yeah, it'll be fine down there. Or you put it in the attic, it'll be fine. And you go back years later, you've marked it with all your treasures in there, you know, the stuff you wanted to keep. And what's happened? It's been, it's been chewed up by mice. They make a little nest in your, the hat that you kept. They ate all the stuff, made a little nest out of it. And the, mess, the mice destroyed it. Or somehow you had it in your basement and it got a little wet down there. Some of the box got a little wet. You didn't notice it. And then everything you had in there is all rusted and it's kind of ruined. It's got stuff all over it. It's molded up or, or, or some kind of bug got in and destroyed everything. You put some clothes down there that you know are coming back. It's just a cycle, right? You know they're coming back. I, those leg warmers, don't you think those leg warmers should come back? I thought they were cool. The 80s were it, man, when it came to clothes, those jeans and ripped and all frilly at the bottom and everything. And women, you remember those leg warmers you had, you know, when you exercised, had those, they, they were awesome. Those big old sweaters you wore with your leggings and everything. It was fantastic. And you know, you have them in your basement and they're coming, they're all going to come back someday. If the 70s ever come back, I don't care if I look like the biggest doofus in the world, I'm not wearing that again. I'm not wearing stuff from the 70s, 60s, that's kind of cool. But those giant collar things and those old, oh man, it's like someone threw up on your shirt and it's like, and then you had to wear it. I don't know, I, I, I'm not going to do that. But you got to understand that if, if, if we are going to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we need to make sure that we're putting him first, that we have him first in our lives that Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life. And if I do that, then I won't be hanging on to all these other treasures that we store up on earth that can be destroyed, that can be taken away from us. Nothing that you store up for yourself here on earth will last. None of it lasts. 
at worst, the wor- the, here's the best case scenario, or the worst case. You can't take it with you. Even if you have gold and it's all sealed up, you're not taking it with you. Everything you store for yourself here on earth will not last. Now, I want to go back to something we talked about last week. When, we, when, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, the Bible says that you put on or you clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. You clothe yourself with Christ. He's a part of you. You don't take it off. It's a part of your very existence. That means that whole idea of putting on or clothing ourselves means we display on the outside what has already taken place on the inside. It, is, it should be our goal to practice all the characteristics or qualities associated with Jesus Christ. That should be our goal. How did Jesus live this way? How did Jesus act in this situation? How did Jesus talk to this person? How do I handle this? You try to take the, the characteristics, the qualities of Jesus Christ, and you try to express them in your life because he is living in you. And so now you take the in, what's happening already inside you, and you express it on the outside. You try to become, as best you can, you try to become more like Jesus Christ. We, we, when we live for him... The reward that God offers cannot be taken by thieves or, or, or destroyed by rust. When we sacrifice for him everything that he stores up for us in heaven. You know, I, I had an experience. And I'm, I'll share just a little quick part of it. I had an experience in November where we got into a tangle with a dog and, and, um, and it was just a terrible situation. And about five or six months later, town of Mason called and they said, you know, we... We, we, um, the police gave us this report, and we wanna, we're going we're gonna to be honoring some of the police officers and some, some other people in the community. We'd like you to come and, and, uh, and receive this, this uh, certificate or something. I said, you know, you don't want to say, no, I'm not coming. I, that, was, that was totally fine. I, I appreciated it. So we went there, and the family, what they said, bring your family. We were all sitting there, and I'm trying to make this story quick. And they went through the policemen of the year. It was awesome. Um, some of the things that police people have done, they're, they're incredible. They really are. You've got to give them a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of accolades, a lot of credit. Some people in the community. And at the very end, they said, now, this, this award is given to people in our community. It's the highest award that can be given to a civilian in our community. It's a certificate of honor. And they had everyone stand up. And I was, I was waiting. I'm looking around. Who, who are they giving this to? Who's, who's, who are they giving this to? And they had the, the Mason City Council had to stand up. All the police officers stood up. All the people who were in the Mason City Council room stood up. And then the person, you know, had to read over what, what I had done. And then they, they clapped. And, and I had to go forward and got something from the mayor. Here's my point. It's not to tell you. That it, here's my point. I was so overwhelmed um, at that experience. And God placed in my heart as we were driving home, when any of us go to heaven... That's the, that's the response I want from Jesus. I want, when my life is over, I want Jesus to say that when I'm about to come through the pearly gates, whatever you want to call it, you know what I'm saying? When I'm coming up, I want people to say, here comes Jeff Greer. Everybody stand up. Everybody, I want, I want you, here, here he comes. Not, uh, oh, here, here, just move on, move along, move along. You're in that little shack over there, <laughs> you know, go sit down, you know, before you hurt yourself. You know, when, <laughs> 
when, you know, when you walk into heaven, okay, that's what I want for all of you. That's why I preach the way I preach. That's why I have the passion that I have. When any of us walk into heaven, I want them to say, here comes John. Here comes John. Everyone, I want you to say, everyone stand up. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on through. I want them to stand up. I want them to, I want them to recognize what you've done, not you've been saved as of fire or by the seat of your pants or just move along, move along. You know, my grace is sufficient to even carry you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, and it's not going to be a bragging thing. It's not, it was, you don't feel, it's not, you don't brag, you don't get, there's no pride, like, oh, look, I'm better than everyone else. It's just to know that you live the life worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about here. When you stand before God, that's the kind of life you want to live. You want to stand before God and have him, I don't know what the disappointment looks like on the face of Jesus. I just don't want to see it. I don't want any of you to see it. I want him to be, when you come through, I want him to say, here comes, I want you all to stand. All the heavenly hosts stand up because here you come. And no pride involved, just a life well lived. That's what we're talking about here. That's what God gives us. God has given my life. When I came to Christ, when I asked Christ to come into my life, he gave my life purpose. He gave my life meaning. He offers me something that cannot be taken away. He showed me who I am, who I was created to be. He's less focused on what I do or what I have, but he's more focused on my loyalty to him. God wants us to be loyal to him. God wants us to give us, our, give us all of who we are. He wants, to give, he wants us to, to sacrifice and to lay it all down for him. Jesus is not as concerned with your wealth. If you have money, that's not his concern. As long as you are loyal, as long as you are dedicated to him. God doesn't mind if you have money. As long as that, as long as you don't become a greedy or materialistic person. Because when you become materialistic, that then takes away from God. That then pulls away from God. It's in conflict with your loyalty to God. That becomes a God in your life. And remember what Jonah said? Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You can have it all. If you're a billionaire, good for you. You worked really hard for it, I'm sure. If you're a multimillionaire, you know what? You worked hard for that. You probably sacrificed that. Praise God that you have those resources. Just don't let those resources become a God to you because when you, when you allow that to happen, you cling to a worthless idol that will not last and you forfeit the grace that could be yours. And my friends, the one thing you don't want to do on this earth or after is forfeit the grace that could be yours. All that God has for you. Do you ever, do you ever think about the, 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 the characters in the Bible then they got to walk on water. Sure, he sank, but at least he got to try or go walk past through the sea or fight a lion or whatever. I pray all the time, God, I just don't want to read about these guys or these women. I want to be, I want to experience some of the things they experience. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like in my life, but I'll tell you this, my Christian life won't be boring. I will not be bored. God may take my life, God may use my life, God may do whatever he wants to do with my life, but I will not be bored. I will not lay in my deathbed as an old man and said, woulda, shoulda, coulda. That will not happen. I will not be old and have regrets. 
Use me, take me, do whatever you want with me. But Lord God, you just put your, put your, put your grace upon me and, and I, I am open and we all need to think this way. I'm open to whatever you want me to do. I give my life to you. God is concerned not about all the things that we have. He's concerned how we use the things that we have to glorify him. When your stuff becomes your treasure, it demands your heart. And that's what you have to watch out for. When your stuff becomes your treasure, it demands your heart. And nothing should demand your heart except for God. And when, when our stuff demands our heart, we are no longer, we are no longer to, to, to free to do what God has called us to do. When God calls us to fight a certain battle in life, we're not free to do it. We can't do it. Why? Because we ask the most dangerous question in Christianity. What do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? Let me give you a contrast. Jesus, in, uh, in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, Jesus comes to the disciples, some of the disciples, and he says, he says, drop your nets. And it says they dropped their nets immediately and followed him. Bam. They didn't say, hey, maybe we can take the nets with us, Jesus. Let's go, let's go uh, sharing the love of Jesus. Let's go sharing your love around on the boat so we can take our nets with us and, you know, just in case some fish show up and blah, blah, blah. He says, drop it. They drop their nets and they go to follow him. Contrast that with Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, where the rich young man comes up and says, ah, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Man, you're, you're doing all kinds of cool things. I want to be your follower. And Jesus says, well, you need to obey the commandments. And he goes through a few of those commandments and the rich young, rich young ruler says, well, I've done all those things. So Jesus, knowing the man's heart, understand, understand what he said, what he said is not the way to salvation. Okay. But it is for this guy because Jesus knows his heart. And this is what he says. So he says, I've done all these things. All these things I've kept. The young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Ask yourself why he says this to him. Go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven and you'll have treasures in heaven. Give up these things that don't matter and follow me. You'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Drop your nets, come and follow me. And the man asked the wrong question. What do I have to lose? What do I have to lose? If God calls you, I know, you know, I have, I have, I've had people all around me all my life who were, were um, churchgoers and they go to church. And some of the things I'm saying I know are very difficult for some people to register. You're thinking, I go to church here. It's my religious duty. And, and it's cool and I like that you're excited and I like that you get all worked up and you tell some stories sometimes. But, you know, you know let's get real, okay? I have, a lot, I have a lot in my life and I'm not going to give all... And that's what happens you're not understanding what Jesus is calling for. And if you think I'm being a radical, you're right. I am. But I'm no, nowhere near, nowhere near what Jesus calls us to. I'm trying, but I'm sure I'm still lacking in my, in my desire to express it to you. The question you cannot ask as a Christian is, what do I have to lose? If you ever have to ask that question, then you need to do something with your life. You need to let go of something in your life because God, when he calls you to do something dynamic, well, outrageous, amazing, immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine, the answer to you, the answer for you can't be, well, what do I have to lose? 
Your husband or wife comes to you and says, I feel like God is calling us to. And the first, first thought, if the, if the first thought that comes to your mind is, well, that means I have to sell my house and that means we have to sell our cars and that would mean that I can't go here and that would mean I can't do this or that. If that's all going through your mind, if God is prompting you and what's keeping you is all these things that I'm telling you, I'm not saying go and sell all your possessions right now and give to the poor. I'm not. That would probably not be the smart thing to do. Unless God tells you to do it, I'm not telling you to do it. What I'm saying is that you need to put yourself in a position where if he says to go and do something, that you're in a position to go and do it. Not ask the question, what do I have to lose? You have to ask yourself, am I the disciples who drop my nets and follow, or am I the rich young man who says, and it's not about being rich. I want to be clear here. Everybody picks on the rich. Some of the, some of the rich people that I know have more love and more passion and give more of their resource and give more of their time and more of their energy than the poor people I know. So I'm not going to be beaten up on the rich like our culture does all the time. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're middle class or you're poor. It's a principle. It's the principle. If your house is 2,000 square feet or 20,000 square feet, if you're not willing to do whatever it takes in order to follow Christ, then God's going to challenge you. He knows, he knows what's in your heart. He knew it was in the rich, rich young man's heart. And he said, come and do this, then come and follow me. And he says, the guy said, basically, what do I have to lose? And he walked away sad because he wasn't going to give up what he had to lose. He wasn't going to do it. My point is this. Never let anything control your ability to drop your nets and follow anything the reason the reason the very reason that many of our students when they get out of high school the reason that they walk away from the church and don't come back is this very reason this is this is the reason they do it because they're asking the question who is the master of my parents who is their true master who has, the, who has the control? Who are they devoted to? And when they're 18 years old or 17, they're going to sit up in their bedroom all by themselves and they're going to think about their own lives and how, what, how they want to live their lives. And if they answer the question that my, that my parents' master is Jesus Christ, then they'll live one type of life for the most part. Everybody's an individual. They're going to do their own thing, even if you're living for Jesus. But most of the time, they're going to ask that question in the quietness of their own hearts. And if the answer is that my parents' master is Jesus Christ, then they'll go one direction. And if it's not, 90 or so percent of students who are going to church, many of them, 90% of them, when they go to college, they don't come back to church. Is it because Jesus isn't real? Because God's not true? Because the Bible's not the word of God and it's not total truth? That's not that at all. It's that we are not, we are not living out. We are not living out the passion of Jesus Christ in front of them. Now, let me tell you again, there's no way Satan's going to hear and, and, and try to divert the, what, what I'm trying to say. Students, if a student walks away from the Lord, that's their choice. You could be the greatest parent who ever walked the earth, and some kids are going to choose to do something else. Somebody, people are going to choose their own thing. We have, a free, we have free will. You can do what you choose to do. It's not your parents' fault. All I'm saying to the parents is, if we truly want to see our children follow Jesus, one of the best ways that we can, we can show them and keep them on the right path is to live it out in our own lives. They're like hawks. My son is watching me like a hawk. 
And one day he will look at me and he'll say to himself, is this man the same man who is in the pulpit every Sunday preaching this way? Is he the same way when he takes me there or we go on vacation, when he's at home, what he watches, what he does, how he talks to me, how he treats my mom? Is he the same man out there as he is in here? And if the answer is no, I'm in big trouble. Because he's going to grow up and he's going to ask that question. Is it real? Is Jesus real in my dad's life? Is Jesus real in my mom's life? And God help me, I can tell you right now, as, as much as I can, he's going to answer that yes. That will be the answer, yes. See, when we, when we allow anything, not just money, to control us, to steal our loyalty from God, that thing, whatever it is, becomes, goes from sacred to sinful. doesn't matter what it is. Is money, is money, is money evil? No, it's not. Can it become sinful? Yes, it can. Is, is drinking wine or some alcohol, is that, is that sin? No, it's not. Can it become sinful? Yes, it can. Is sex sinful? No, it's not. Can it become sinful? Yes, it can. All of those things can. Are they in and of themselves? No, they're sacred. They, all this is sacred as long as it's not sinful. But can they become? Yes, they can. When we, choose, when we choose our desires and feelings over God's truth, anything can become sinful. See, that's one of the biggest problems that we have. See, the, the arguments for many of the issues that we face today come down to obedience. It comes down to obedience. It's a self over God issue. My friends, we all have desires. We all have desires. We all have struggles and difficulties that we face. We all do. Is it a sin to struggle? No, it's not. You can't help it when thoughts come into your mind. You can't help it if someone comes in and steps in front of you or something brings. You, it is not, struggling is not wrong. It becomes a sin when we give into the struggle. When we give in to the struggle, it's a sin when we check Jesus at the door and choose to follow our feelings or our desires over Jesus Christ. That's when it becomes a sin. That's when it becomes a sin. There are so many reasons. There are so many reasons why you and I struggle. So many reasons. And if you, have, if you have some kind of addiction that you're going through right now, if you have some kind of temptation that you're struggling with right now, God wants to walk through that with you. He wants to bear that with you. But the answer to your struggle is not to give in. It's not to give in or to act out. That's not the answer to our struggles. The answer to your struggle is to cling to Jesus Christ. To cling to Jesus Christ. You know, I ask this question a lot. It's one of those things that I really struggle with. As I look at as I look at the world, I look at Christianity as a whole. Is Jesus Christ sufficient? Is he sufficient for everything I go through? I think he I think he I come to the conclusion he is. No matter what I struggle with, no matter what I go through, no matter what I'm going and pain I'm feeling, is Jesus Christ sufficient? Yes, I believe he is in my life. But that's a question we all need to answer. Is Jesus Christ sufficient? The world would say, if you have a desire or a feeling to do something, go ahead and do it, because that's going to make you happy. And whatever makes you happy, that's what you should do. But every time we act out on our temptations, every time we go along with our temptations, it leads us further away from Jesus Christ. And it always 
ends badly. This is where that famous verse comes in that every, most people seem to misquote. That 1 Corinthians 10.13 verse, it says this. Listen, this is awesome. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. My friends, if you're struggling with some kind of temptation, don't give in, but don't keep it in. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a spiritual mentor. Talk to someone you trust. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to sit around. And this is what the enemy will say to you. He'll say, you're probably the only person in the history of Grace Chapel who's ever even thought that, let alone done it. You call yourself a Christian? What Christian does the same thing over and over and over again? You say you're a Christian, but you keep doing the same thing. You keep, you keep giving in to this addiction, this temptation. If you are a true Christian, those are the lies that you're told. And so you feel like you're the only one in the world who could ever experience anything like that. But that's not true. No, every temptation is common to man. If you thought it and you've done something, so about a billion other people. Don't let Satan keep it, keep you in the dark. Don't let him keep you alone. Sit down and talk to someone about your temptations. Sit down and talk to someone you trust, that you trust with something you're struggling with. Let that person pray with you and, and struggle with you and walk through it with you. That's how we overcome these things. Giving in to temptation, just giving into it, is like feeding an alligator and hoping that it'll eat you last. That, that, that's basically what it is. And living outside of God's purposes, purposes and will for your life, like I said, always ends badly. It ends very, very badly. Don't let the world, listen to me, don't let the world tell you who you are or who you were created to be. God is faithful. Listen, this is, this is so important. You, you are not your struggle. That is not your identity. You are not your struggle. What you're struggling with is not your identity. Don't let anyone tell you that it is. It's something you struggle with. I don't know why you're struggling with some of the things we struggle with because something happened in our childhood, because something happened along the way. I don't understand all the reasons why we struggle, but that's not your identity. That is not who you are. You are a joint heir of Jesus Christ. And not only that, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will give you a way out, but you have to walk with him. You can't walk away from him. Don't buy into the lie that you are what you struggle with. You are what you struggle with. It's just a lie from the pit of hell. In verses 20 through to 24, it talks about being totally devoted, giving all of who you are, everything to God. It's a total devotion and loyalty to God. Verse 22 talks about the eye. It talks about the eye. The eye being the lamp to our body, the lamp to our steps. The Greek word for, for eye literally means single. It doesn't say eyes, it says eye. It goes on to say eyes in, in, in IV. But in the beginning, it, it, it says eye, the eye, singular. 
It means perfect. It means complete. The single eye is usually a metaphor for someone who is totally devoted in service to God. You are singly focused on God. Yes, you have temptations. Yes, you have struggles. Yes, you have addictions. But you, you give them over to the Lord and you never give up. You never give up. See, that's the problem. We live in a culture where you struggle with something and then you start to share it a little bit. Everybody says, no, go with it. Go with it. Go with it. Just go with it. That's who you are. That's who you are. Just go with it. Just go with it. No, and I'm, and I'm not just talking about the physical stuff. I'm not going to get into all the details of the kids and everything. But you know, I'm not just talking about the physical stuff. I'm talking about who you are as a person. The world wants to take away your true identity. The world wants to rob you of your true identity. See, this is where I think we get totally lost. We, 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 define, we define our identity in terms of, of the worldly, of all the worldly. You, you know, you, you are not... You identify yourself by your career or you identify yourself, your identity by your education or your identity by your sexuality. None of those things are who you truly are. You find your identity in none of those things. You find your identity in Jesus Christ. You struggle with some things, yes, but your identity is found in following Jesus Christ. See, the world tells you if, if your father or your mother was this, you have a tendency to be that. If you have a tendency over this way, then you're most likely going to be this. And they say your, your genetics and your environment play these huge determinations. And you know what? It's true. I'm so much like my father. I didn't grow up with my father, but I'm so much like him. And that's not a knock. I'm not knocking it. I'm glad I'm like my dad. I'm a lot like my mom, too, because I'm my environment. I'm like my mom environmentally because she taught me a lot of things. I'm like my dad genetically. I never even grew up with the guy. But let me tell you something here. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth and the reality of life. My genetics are powerful. My environment is powerful. But you know what's even more powerful that dominates all of those things? My standing in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God living in me. The Holy Spirit of God living in me dominates those two other things, genetics and environment. So don't let anyone tell you in this world that because you feel this or because you experience that or because of this in your environment, and your, that that's what you are. It's not what you are. You are a person who is devoted to Jesus Christ. Your identity is found in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what happened to you. It doesn't matter how someone abused you or whatever happened in your life. You find your identity in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God can overcome all of those things. All of those things. They don't get to write the last chapter of your life. You do with the help of Jesus Christ. You do with the help of Holy, the Holy Spirit of God. You are who God created you to be. You find your identity in Jesus Christ. That's why I keep saying don't check Jesus at the door. It is easy to be in here and listen to me and, and, and hear the truth, but then you have to walk out there. And if you put Jesus on, the, on a hanger and leave him at the door and go into that wild wilderness, you're not going to survive. You take him with you. And when people start telling you who you are or who they think you should be at school and then try to make you become someone you're not, you stand up for Jesus Christ. These people will be forgotten very soon when you graduate. You will take Jesus to your grave. He will be your friend until the day you die. You become more like him. Don't become more like them. Don't become like them. The word I also has to do with generosity. A follower of Jesus Christ is a generous person. They don't let things, they don't let the things of this world get in their way. They don't let those things 
drag them down spiritually. Those things strengthen them spiritually. Your resources become a way to strengthen you spiritually. Imagine what you can do for God with the resources that you have. That's why he's given it to you so that you can glorify God, so that you can change the culture, so you can impact people's lives. That's what it's all about. That's why God has given it to you. Now, some of you are not free to follow Christ. You're not free. You hold on to your wealth as if it's somehow going to protect you from all the challenges of life. You have your nest egg, and now you're safe. Do not make the mistake of confusing savings with safety and security. Because that's not where you're that's not where you're going to find your safety and security. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter what happens to me, I'm secure. Nothing this world does to me can change that. Nothing this world can offer me can change that. They can take my life. I am still secure. I'm adopted into his family. I'm a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Nothing this world can do can take my security or my identity away from me. I can lose my job. I still have my identity in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what this world can do to me. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And and the result of a sound eye, he talks about, is a well-illuminated body. He's talking about the whole person here. My light shines wherever I go. We don't leave it. We don't check Jesus at the door. Jesus is a part of us. and, And our eyes are filled with light, with truth. And so we take Jesus wherever we go. We bring him with us wherever we go. We invest in everything we do. We bring Christ into it. We bring Christ Jesus into everything that we do. Jesus Christ is what gives my life purpose. He is what leads me to my ultimate goal, my ultimate destiny. The alternative is to live in darkness as a blind man with no true direction for your life. You don't understand the meaning. You don't understand the purpose of life. You, you, you walk around and your life it becomes filled with greed and desire for other things because you don't have that light shining through you and the world will crush you under its pressure. You give in to its pressure because you don't have that light shining through you in every part of your life. Without Jesus Christ, without that light, a person gets lost They can't find their purpose. They don't know their significance. And then they go and try other things to fill that void. Whatever it is, drugs, alcohol. Mine was alcohol. When I was 15, 16, 17 years old, I drank like a fish. You know why? Because I looked at life for what it was without Jesus Christ. And it made total sense to do that. To numb my feelings, to numb my pain, to numb my anguish and agony, looking at a world and saying, a world without God, without meaning and purpose, is not worth living in. So my best, my best response was to numb that void I had in my heart with alcohol. You know what? You say, what? Wow, I can't believe you did that. Why not? You take God out of the equation? <laughs> Take God out of the equation and tell me what the purpose is in this life. And I was a thinker, and I would think through, you know, if this is what the world has to offer, then give me a bottle. I want you to, I want you to bow your heads with me as we close here. And I want you to, I want you to ask yourself to, this morning some questions. Are you living a life that's totally devoted to Christ, or are you trying to find your identity in the things of this world? I mean, ask yourself those questions. Are you living a life of loyalty to God 
Or are you focusing on the things of this world? Here's the thing, and I want everyone, please listen. Don't, don't close your eyes. I know it's a really busy week. Don't fall asleep. Listen to what I'm saying. But keep your eyes closed. I want you to concentrate. Some of us need to rededicate our lives. As believers in Jesus, we need to rededicate our lives. We need to lay aside the things that have hindered our spiritual growth. You know what they are. We need to lay aside personal views and positions that are not of God and begin to stand on his word as our guide. We need to stop checking Jesus at the door and take him to work and take him to school. Everywhere we go, his light needs to shine through us in everything we do. We need to fight for the heart of our king. We can no longer leave Jesus standing and walk away from him. You need to commit right now. You need to rededicate your lives right now. Some of you who know Jesus need to say, Lord, into yourself, in your own mind, in your own heart, Lord, I need to lay those things aside. I need to start fighting for the heart of my king. For others, it's time to make a commitment to Christ. You've been coming and listening for a while, and it's time to act. In John chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus says this, Do not work for food that spoils, or for food that endures, but, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Listen, let go of the life that you're living, a life that offers no real and lasting hope or purpose. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. The Bible tells us that we have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. You don't need a pastor or a Bible to tell you that. All you need to do is live for an hour. That we've sinned and fall short of the glory of God and because of that we're separated from God. So right now some of you are separated from God. You're his creation, but you're not his child. You have not been adopted into his family. That's what we're talking about here. In God, God in his love sent Jesus Christ into the world to restore that relationship. You become a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You become a brother or sister with Jesus Christ. You are adopted into the family of God. When we ask Jesus to come into our lives, we have a new relationship with God. We become a new creation. All the old is gone. The new has come. Anything you've ever done, you no longer have to feel the guilt and the weight and the, the misery and the, whatever you're feeling in your heart. The shame of that. You don't have to feel that anymore. You can leave it behind. And ask God to guide your steps. He will bring true light to your eyes and you will never be the same. You'll be a changed person as of this day. If it's your desire to have that relationship with God, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray it to yourself. God, it's time for me to start living for you. I want your battles to be my battles. I want to belong to your heart. I need your son Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins, past, present, and future, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, the spirit that Pastor Jeff was talking about today. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me who I am. Show me my purpose. Show me the meaning of life. That's what I want.
May I be used, Lord God. May I be used to just glorify you and to impact the lives of others. Father, today I want to fight for the heart of my king. In Jesus' name. Now keep your heads bowed if you will. If anyone has prayed that prayer, here's what I want you to do. If you, if you would, if you feel comfortable enough, I'd love to hear from you this week. Just shoot me an email. Let me know so I can give you some books to read. I can kind of set you on the right course. But if you prayed that prayer, if you just raise your hand up very quickly. If you prayed for the first time, just raise your hand up and put it back down. Just put it up and back down. Amen. Amen. That is awesome. That's incredible. That's fantastic. You know, the angels are rejoicing in heaven because you have given your life to Christ. And now God is going to use you in ways you could never have even imagined. But as our heads are bowed, I want to say one more thing. I want you to think about this. I've become convinced that to be, to be successful in your spiritual journey, you need to become mature in Christ. And, and the way you become mature in Christ is to be surrounded by others who are mature in Christ. You need the support of the body of this church. You need to be connected to a group of people who are going to help you grow and fight the battles of life. You can't fight it alone. In your family news bulletin, there's an insert about life groups, and I want you to fill that out if you would as the service is over. We're just about finished, and I want you to drop it in the welcome, at the Welcome Center in that little basket. Just fill it out and drop it in there. We will succeed as the body of Christ, but we will do it together. God, we want you to use us in a powerful way. God, we want, as this body, we want to be radically devoted to you. We want to give our lives completely to you. We want the students, we want the children in this church to look at the adults in this church and think, that's who I want to be like. They truly serve their master, Jesus Christ, with all of their hearts. God, may that be, may that truly be our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a fantastic week.